that a preacher said to her one time, and I've shared this many years, you're either, you're either going in, in the middle of a storm, coming out of a storm, about to go into a storm. That's just the nature of life. And I, as I hear that song, one of the things that I would say to you this morning is that uh, Jesus will not be all you need until he's all you got. But when he's all you got, he'll be all you need. If you will, go ahead and take your Bible and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. It was in January of 1996 that I crawled under a platform like this to make some terminations for our sound system. You've heard this story before. I got under there, had my light on, had my little headlight. It had been a... It would have been a, a Brent Slocum headlight. That's what it would have looked like, okay? I had my headlight on. I could see the, see the block, but I couldn't focus on the little bitty work that I had to do with those wires. So I had to come out and let somebody else do it because I'd lost focus. Went to the doctor a couple of days later, and he said, Well, you've made it a couple of years past that magic age. Put some glasses on. You'll be able to focus again. For you see, focus is important. Focus is important. Hang on to that. As you look at the screen, you see that for the past several weeks, we've been in a series called Authentic. Now, I've said multiple times, nobody that I know of wants to be artificial. Nobody wants to be counterfeit. We want to be authentic. We want to be the genuine, the real, and the true. We want to be like the original. We, we want to be the real deal. Now, go ahead there, Mitch, for me. The last, uh, last two weeks and today, we've talked about the authentic church. Now, I will tell you, it's picking up next week. It's going to move from the authentic church to the authentic Christian. And so today, we end this story, but we, we have given a definition of the authentic church. It's going to be on the screen. A group of baptized believers who have voluntarily banded together to observe the ordinances of Christ, that's the Lord's Supper, and baptism, and to fulfill the great commandment to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbors yourself, love one another, love your enemies, and the great commission to go, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And in order to talk about the authentic church, we have taken our cue from the Apostle Paul and what he wrote to the church at Thessalonica. Now, before I continue, can you guys hear me? Okay, because I'm really hot down here, okay? All right. If you would, let's stand to honor the reading of God's holy word. Let's get his word in front of us. We've read this same text for this is the third week. But we never grow tired of it. it. We pick up in verse 3, where the Christian Standard Version records it like this. We recall, in the presence of our God and Father, your work produced by faith. That's our foundation. Your labor motivated by love. That's our function. And your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where we are today, our focus. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in the power 
in Holy, the Holy Spirit and with full assurance. You know how we lived among you for your benefit. And you yourselves became imitators of us and of the Lord when, in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord rang out, literally trumpeted out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. Therefore, we don't need to say anything. For they themselves report what kind of reception we had from you. How you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues or delivers us from the coming wrath. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Would you use these words, your words that you gave to Paul for your church, to speak into our hearts, penetrate our preconceived notions with your spirit, prick our hearts with your Holy Spirit like you did at Pentecost, And pour into us your plan for your kingdom through this, your church, New Hope Baptist Church. Speak truth to us. Speak truth in us, for us, and speak your truth through us. We plead with you to do your work today. In the wonderful, matchless, magnificent, holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Just hold your Bibles open there because I want to, I want to point you back. We've not done this. Go back to verse 3 with me. Go back to verse 3 with me. He says, we recall. Move that forward if you will. We recall. That means we remember. Other translations say remembering without ceasing, constantly bearing in mind, or, or, or having your own mind. It doesn't matter how you phrase it. It means, it means that we remember, that we reflect, that we, can, that we can bring back to our mind. So I began with you, this question with you. I begin this question with you. Can you remember the things that we have said The last couple of weeks, the last two weeks particular. (laughs) Okay, that's not a trick question. Most people laugh when you ask, can you remember what your preacher preached last Sunday? You know what I have discovered? This is not in my notes, but I'm going to give you this for free because it's kind of a pet peeve. I was... um, I was ha- having breakfast at my breakfast place in George County, and, and I had gotten to know a, a table of three or four men that I always sat right over to my left. And they got to 
They found out I was a preacher who I was and what have you. They started talking about preaching. And they talked, called a man by name and said, that boy, preach. And I said, yeah. Yeah, he runs up and down the aisle. He hollers and he screams. And I go, Ralph, what did he say the last time he preached? Oh, we don't know, but it was good. <laughs> you see, folks, we identify preaching with a style as opposed to substance. With a method as opposed to a message. You see, when I read this, he says, we recall in the presence of our God and Father, that's a reason we should remember, because it was in the presence of our God and Father. The living and the true God. We should, we should remember, we should apply. That's the reason, oh good, I'll get in trouble here. That's the reason God gave us two ears and one mouth, and that's why he said, be quick to hear and slow to speak. And oh, by the way, since I have the, the I know some of you are going to take offense at this. Since I have the not-so-younger crowd, let me just say this to you. You may not like technology, but those machines up there that are running the, the uh, projection and that we use on our desk, those com- things called computers, God gave you the greatest computer right between your ears that you ever had. And it works just like a computer. Did you know that? Okay, you're going to get this for free this morning. Inside of the computer, you have two types of memory. You have RAM memory, random access memory, and you have a hard drive. That hard drive is where your programs go, where your files go. That's where it stays forever. That random access memory, that's what you pick up, that computer picks up today. And that is why, look, watch how much like your brain works just like a computer. Watch this. If your computer goes on the blink at the work and you call the tech guy, you know what the first thing he says? Reboot. Reboot. Turn it off. And, and, and by the way, there's a difference in a dry boot and a, red, a wet boot. A dry boot means you turned it off, let it stay off for 30 to 60 seconds so everything clears out. A wet boot is just you restart it. Here's the deal. When you give that computer a dry boot, the, the HughesNet man told me the other day, he said, it's just like going, getting home from a day's work and going, and you start, and you can start fresh. Here's what happens. You take that computer, you reboot it, and man, it's working right. Here's what God did for you and me. He put that computer between our ears. We have more memory. Unless we have something physically wrong with us, chemically wrong with us, disease-wise wrong with us, we have a better computer, even at 80, than you can even imagine. We can retain more than we think we can retain. And then we have that random access memory. And that random access memory drives some of us bonkers. But you know what happens? God designed it this way. Every night you lay down and you get your sleep. And you get your reboot when you wake up the next morning. You see, God expects us to retain, to hang on, so that we can reflect. He expects us to have his word, his message, not just in our mind, not just in our hearts, but buried deep within our soul and retained for all eternity. Now, folks, I could spend a lot more time here, but I'm going to move on for the sake of time because I want us to see today this thing of... The church. Now, two weeks ago, we began in, in, our, in our trek about the authentic church. And our first message was the authentic church's foundation. 
And that foundation was salvation. If, if you still got your Bibles open, I'm just going to point you there. I, I said it as we read verse 3. The work produced by faith in the old, in the old, uh, um, trans, older translations, it is the work of faith. He's talking about salvation. The work of faith that has come to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And how did that happen? If you look down in verse 9, it says, how you turned to God from idols. The rest of our life is predicated on this foundation. If you have not turned to God from your idol, if you have not received Jesus in a personal way, nothing else matters. As far as the church goes, we're building on sinking sand, shifting sand. Salvation is our foundation. Jesus formed in you and me. So Jesus in the center of our, of our church fellowship to be started right here at the foundational level. Last week we talked about the function. And that was our service. We were reminded, he reminded us that, that our labor is produced by love. If you look back up in verse 3, it says the second after work produced by faith, the second sentence says, I mean, second phrase says your labor motivated by love. We found out that labor of love and how that works. And then you can go down to verse 9. And that labor of love is to serve the living and the true God. Now, we'll just tell you. The next couple of weeks as an authentic Christian, we'll come face to face with really understanding this living and true God. You see, folks, we have to come to him on his terms because of who he is, because of what he's done, because of what he's going to do, what he wants to do. And as a church, when we realize who he is and what he's done, then this becomes not laborious. It doesn't become an inconvenience. It doesn't become something that we just have to schedule around everything else. It becomes our labor of love, serving him. That brings us to today. And if you just stay in the scripture, today we're on the focus. That's why I started off with that word, that little story about focus. Watch this. And then he goes, and your endurance inspired by hope. Patience of hope, some translations say. Your endurance inspired by hope. Now, I will just say this about hope. This hope is not the hope that wishes and dreams and fantasies are made of. It's not, it's not hope about the possibility of something happening one day. It's not hope in hope. Read it on. It says, your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a hope that is produces patience in us because of our faith and our trust and our relationship in Jesus. You know what the truth is? If I've lost you, let me have your eyes just for a second. We can endure almost anything. We can have patience with almost anything. We can be steadfast with almost anything if, are you listening? If we are confident of what's going to happen of the outcome. We won't be wringing our hands. We won't be sweating the small stuff. We won't be anxious about everything if we are convinced the best is yet to come. If you are a child of God, here's your word for today. 
Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. You see, the best, you don't have your best life now. I don't care what that guy in Houston, Texas tells you. The best life is yet to come. We put our life in, we put our trust in Jesus. We have abundant life. He tells us abundant life here and eternal life there. And it all comes back to this thing of focus. So I'm going to let Mitch roll that forward one slide as I ask you a question. Maybe I should stop and tell you about that. Focus determines your finish. What you are focused on in your life determines how you're going to finish in your life. If you're only focused on what your job can get, you're only going to get what your job can give. If you're only focused on what your marriage can get, you're only going to get what your marriage can give. If only your family, if only your vocations, if only your hobby, if only your sports. But you see, the truth is, we're not called to be focused on any of those things. We are called to be focused on this hope that's in Jesus. So now let me ask you a question. Here's the question. If I were to, let me say it this way. What in your mind is New Hope Baptist Church focused on? Uh, let's do it this way. If I were to, if I or we were to bring in a consultant who knew a lot about churches, and he came in and we asked him to hang around us a month and write a report and tell us what the number one priority of this church, the number one focus of this church was, what would it be? Well, certainly we do a lot of good things. Friday was no exception. Jimmy and Pud and Mike carried Kelly down to. Louisiana with a trailer load of things that this congregation had put together to help people. Certainly we do some good things. Certainly we do. We have, we feed those hungry once, once a month at the, at the soup kitchen. We do a lot of good things, but where is our focus? Well, I believe that the authentic church has a focus, and I'm going to lift it right out of Scripture here, and I know where we are on time. Just hold your horses. I'm going to give you three, I'm going to give you three, parts of this. The first thing is that I would bring this word to you, an object. An object. What is the focal point or what is the focal object of the church? Well, we find it right here in verse 10. Watch this. He says, and to wait for his son. Whose son? The son of the True and living God, the living and true God. His name is, it's on down in that verse, Jesus. Jesus. Wow. Can it really be that simple? Folks, just come on, Brother Jerry, just you preached all this time to focus on Jesus? Is, can it be that simple? Yes is the answer, but listen, never confuse simple with easy. You see, it's simple to say that we focus on Jesus. It's simple to say he's our goal, he's our aim, he's our object. But it's another thing entirely to live it out day by day and make him the focus in the everyday work of the church. It's easy to forget. Or said another way, it's easy to replace Jesus 
was something that's seemingly more tangible. The Corinthians knew about this. That's why we read the verse a while ago. As I said, Paul wrote three letters to the church at Corinth. Two are in the Bible. And as he's ending that, that last letter, remember this verse? Put it up here, if you will. Test yourself to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourself, or do you not recognize that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless you fail the test. Now, I've always thought Paul was questioning their, their salvation. I'm still not sure that's correct. But Tony Evans, whom I respect, said this. The testing here was not for the purpose of determining whether they were saved or not. And he goes on to say that he thought it might have been more that whether he would test whether Christ's abiding presence was among them and was leading them and was at work through them. You see, the church can easily replace Jesus as the centerpiece. I want to say that again. The church body can easily replace Jesus as the centerpiece. We can put our traditions, we can put our schedules, we can put our preferences, we can put a ministry, we can put a member as the object of our church and just replace Jesus. But the authentic church keeps Jesus at the center of it all. One of my favorite praise songs from several years ago, I've used it in several revivals as a worship leader, says this. It's written by great songwriter Israel Houghton. He wrote, Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be and it's always been you, Jesus. Nothing else matters. Nothing in the world will do because, Jesus, you're the center and everything revolves around you. That's the life of the authentic church. That's the heartbeat of the authentic church. That's the life and heartbeat of people who make up the authentic church. That is the way that the authentic church is different from everybody else because of the object that we have out there is Jesus. second word I would give to you from our text is the word operation. How in the word world does it operate? How in the world does it operate? You see, when we focus on Jesus, we focus. Now, you never heard this before, so hang on. We focus on Jesus. We focus on what God did for him. We've been taught all our life what God did for me. What did God do for Jesus? Well, he walked on the earth as a, as a man, and Jesus died Jesus died on the cross because of the sinfulness, the hopelessness, and listen, the depravity of mankind. That would be me. That would be you. Jesus shed his innocent blood for our guilty blood. The wages, the compensation, and the payment schedule for sin is still death. Hang on to that thought. We'll hear it again. Jesus was laid in the ground. Now, remember, we're answering the question, what did God do for Jesus? Jesus was laid in the ground. Now, watch this. It's coming up on the screen. Here's two big words. But God. But God. I mean, verse 10 tells us that 
We're to wait for his son from the dead. Watch whom he, God, raised from the dead. You see, he was graveyard dead. He was in the ground for three days. But God, God raised him from a physical death so that we could be raised from a spiritual death. Ephesians 2 tells us about this. For those who are doubters, I think it's up there. Is it up there? Uh, uh, Yeah, there we go. Let me see if I can find it now. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read. I'm just going to read this for you. He says, Paul writes and he says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world. Hmm. So we're living, we're living according to the ways of the world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that works in disobedience. We too... All previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. We were by nature children under wrath as others were also. Here it is. But God, who is rich in mercy. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ. Even though we were dead in trespasses and sin, you are saved by grace. Brothers and sisters, this is how the authentic church operates. We offer what no entity in this, on this earth can offer. That is why the local church is indeed the hope of the world. We offer the but gods of life. Go ahead and roll that far because I want them to see this flashing in front of them. But God, but God, but God, whatever's going on in your life, but God, he can change it. You see, but God becomes the object of our affection. He becomes the object of our focus. He becomes the object of our worship. He offers us new life. He offers us life from death. He offers through his blood redemption. And he reclaims us. You see, through Jesus, the MO of the church, the motors, what is it, motors operandi? The MO of the church is life from death. But I want to be clear. It's not an automatic action. It only comes when we realize that we're in need. It only comes when we repent. That means turning from our sins. It only comes when our soul is actually Redeemed. That's the work of God. That's the work of God. We must, are you listening, brothers and sisters? We have to come to a place where we know that we're lost. We have to come to a place that we know that we're hopeless. That we can't do anything. We're smart, but we can't do anything for this eternal destiny we're headed to. We can't do anything to change our, our sinful life. We have to come to a place that we realize that God is our only hope and Jesus is our ally and repentance is our only 
path and trusting him is the only answer. The Bible teaches us that there's only one way to be saved. And it doesn't matter what Oprah or this culture says. We have to repent and believe. And that's what the authentic church is all about. The authentic church makes saving and redeeming and salvation top priority. And why is that? Because of the last word I'm going to offer you. It's the word outcome. It's the word outcome. You read that last line. The first, the first message that we read, I, I pointed it out to you, the last line. Jesus, who rescues or delivers us from the coming wrath. Just as surely as we sent our team down on Friday to do a little rescue work, the church, the authentic church, sees itself on a rescue mission. On a rescue mission. Here's what we often forget. Let me speak a personal word to all of us. Here's what we often forget. There is a coming wrath. There is one. Holy God will one day execute judgment on sin and thereby sinners. I end with two inescapable truths. One I've already spoken to you. The truth is the wages of sin is still death. And that death is in a place of fire that is spoken of as the coming wrath. Oh, I don't believe that, Brother Jerry. Well, I believe in Jesus. By the way, it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what I believe. It matters what the Lord says, what God says, what Jesus says. Watch this. In Matthew 5, Jesus says this. It's better to lose a member of your body and enter heaven, absent a limb, than take a complete body and cast in hell. You know what that tells us, folks? It don't, in, the, in the vernacular, you might think you look good as a body, but you might want to get rid of something if you, for you to go to hell, for you to go to heaven. Where do you want to go? Do you want to go to heaven or hell? Matthew 23, Jesus asked the religious people, not the lost people, the religious people. And he said, how can you escape being condemned to hell? You see, Jesus believed in this coming wrath. He believed in hell. And then talking about the authentic church, Jude, in, in verse 22 of his one chapter book, he says, save others by snatching them from the fire. I'm just going to tell you, modern-day church in America is almost jettisoned that there is a hell to escape and a heaven to gain. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says the wages of sin is still death, but then it says the gift of God is eternal life. The gift of God is eternal life. But here's the deal. It only comes through Jesus. That's, just, that's why we must be a Jesus church. That's why we must be an authentic church. Offering Jesus is the answer. Offering Jesus as the centerpiece. Offering the gospel of Jesus. The gospel of Jesus is good news because it brings hope. It brings help. It brings healing. And it brings life in our world and beyond. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church this way. 
I'm going to build my church in such a way that when it attacks the gates of hell, the gates of hell cannot stand up against it. It will not um, stand up against the assault. And they will have such power because I'm giving them the keys of the kingdom. And whatever they bind, whatever they unlock in heaven and unlock on earth will be unlocked both places. And whatever they lock will be locked. You see, folks, the authentic church, you and me, are the group are the group that's supposed to be like Jude said, snatching souls from hell. Churches do many things. Authentic churches do many things. But at the forefront of it all is Jesus. His message, His love, His salvation. Because the living Lord has come to rescue us. And the old hymn says, rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. Our kids sing, my help comes from you. You're my rest. You're my rescue. Is that who Jesus is for you today? The only way for a church to really become an authentic church is to be made up of authentic followers of Christ. I want to say this again. Let me say it another way. You see, when Jesus came in to your life, you began from a place where you knew you were lost. And you knew you had no hope. And you knew Jesus was your only hope. And he, and you prayed, perhaps you prayed, and he came into your life and he began to form himself in you, began to transform you and give you an abundant life, life to the full here, and then a life that you can focus on down the road because you know you got eternity in the bag because of Jesus. Oh, Brother Jerry, it didn't really happen for me like that. Well, I'm just going to say this to you with all the love in my heart. If it didn't happen like that, it didn't happen. If there was no change, there's no Christ. Today, I'm hoping that you want to join us. Join being a, an authentic church. As we were talking weeks to come, an authentic Christ follower. If you've never trusted Christ, today can be the time. I'll be glad to talk with you about that. If you're interested in being a member of this congregation, come talk to me and we'll start that process. Maybe today you know that one time you were authentic because you had Jesus in the center of your life. And today something else occupies that position. The altar's open. I'm going to pray for us and then Brother Eric's going to come and we're going to sing, speak to my heart. And that's my prayer today. Bow with me.